Welcome to the 8th episode of Juggle Jabber. My van and I are at the Dutch Juggling Convention and inside we're going to meet with Jay Gilligan. Juggle Jabber! Ah. Ron, cheers! Hey man, thanks for the milk. <laughs> yes! We're so how about the milk? You mentioned like there's a difference in German and French, French milk, but they're I mean, all cows, right? I guess so. I don't know. Sometimes they keep it on the shelf in the grocery store in France, and sometimes it's in the refrigerator. Where did you get this from? From the supermarket. Oh, there's a refrigerator. Was it in the cold? Back. Yeah, it's, it's so it's cold. It's, okay. yeah, it's uh, my. It's like I'm off off the grid right now, so it's running on gas. And it's not the super cold as I can get it. It's all right. Thanks for the milk. Um, I was. I was at a circus festival recently where they had like buffet for all the guest artists and there were like milk cartons that you could take away and all the foreigners commented that it was so weird for adults drinking milk and here in the Netherlands it's so common but I don't know oh, okay. how it's in the US or how the, <laughs> do you drink milk a lot all the time? Or? I drink milk a lot all the time, yeah. I used to drink chocolate milk all the time but now even better. I'm old, uh, I calm down just to regular milk. Yeah. So I guess when I get even more old I'll just calm down to water. Like just just clear milk, water with milk powder. Or <laughs> I hope we'll see. And it's supposed to make you buff. Eh? I mean, it's well, clearly, there's this gallon of milk program. <laughs> tried once, like a gallon of milk a day, yeah. a day, and then it went good. You're either gonna get fat or you no, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did not. Oh, this is good milk. I haven't had milk yet here in the Netherlands today. <laughs> good. Or on this trip, it's good. Okay, here we are. Yeah. How, where does your jingle come from? The juggle jabber, look, like the little <laughs> juggle jabber. I made it myself. I, yeah. I, I just spoke it to the camera on, uh, in the mic, and I yeah. figured I should make it sound cool. But I had no clue about audio <laughs> processing, so I just turned on effects, effects, oh, yeah, effects yeah. until it was something, and I made like a chord of three different nice tunes, and then see, I knew it was deeper than just one. You made a chord of and three. I think That's it great. might have been one of these classes that you have to ping. Yeah. Okay. Sing. This is so classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the secrets revealed. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> nice. But uh, we're not here to talk about milk. I mean, it's a cool... Uh, I love milk as well, but it's... Uh, yeah, it was a good start. Because I I believe, and this is a genuine belief of mine, it might not be true, but that you are the most influential juggler living in this moment. Like, completely. Because, wow. like, besides all the juggling you've done yourself, there's so many videos produced, so many people directly influenced as your students, because you're a teacher. Mm. There is the directing, which also like shapes other people's work all the time. So as a juggler, how, how do you feel about having this huge influence on juggling world? Is it a thing that you realize yourself or agree <laughs> with? Or yeah, well, like you say, I'm I'm teaching a lot. Uh, I, I'm I'm kind of teaching mostly at the circus school in Sweden, mm-hmm. at Dock, the dance Ox circus school in. But also, I'm t- doing guest teaching other places. Um, but I, I think about it sometimes when I meet the, the new students or the current students in doc and I generally say, um, you know, I don't know, I'm not necessarily more qualified than somebody else to make a judgment about what is good juggling or bad juggling or whatever it's, but I have been around longer. I think that's the thing. It's just, it's just longevity. I've been juggling 30 years. So in terms of having a lot of influence, I don't know about that, but I can definitely agree that I've been around longer than a lot of these other people who I meet. And I think it is having that kind of history and experience that I'm able to draw upon. Again, not that I'm more, I don't know, smarter or naturally talented, 
but just that I have years behind me that, and mm-hmm. you can't really escape that. And I remember Luke Wilson always used to say how nice it was to be getting older because the younger kids will never have that. <laughs> um, the new ones who are coming up, they just, and what he meant was they don't have that depth of experience. And the older I get, the more I appreciate him saying that where maybe in the moment when he was saying it, when we were, when we were younger, um, I was a little bit less happy to be growing old, but mm-hmm. now I'm thinking that he was right. And there is something to be gained from having all these years of experience. You can't really escape it, I guess. It's, yeah, you have no choice. Yeah, no, there's so no here, way around. So it's here like, I am. But even then still, you can you can choose to take on a guru position or hide with, within the journey that you've been doing. Mm. Like, you could stay stuck with what you did 30 years ago, like which is the more classical circus approach, I guess. Well, it's like... There what, are more people who've been joining for 30 years. Right. To say. Sure, sure. But it's kind of like what we said last night when we were talking that... Um, maybe there's certain things you want to see in the community or you wish the community was in a certain way. And at some point, well, we are the community mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have to make it what we want it to be. And that's a good and a bad thing uh, about juggling. It's a great thing that you can have an influence over how you want your world to look. Of course, you can kind of take some sort of control and it's maybe a little bit of a bad thing that there isn't a larger community that's maybe more actively shaping it how they want it to be. Or maybe just to be really selfish in the way that we want it, I want it to be, or something. Um, no, but I mean, mostly I think it's really good that you can have some sort of influence over what you, what you're doing and and who's doing it and how they're doing it and what discussions there are and maybe where it's all going. So I think that's why I participate because yeah, it's not a abstract thing oh the community as if it's a separate thing i mean the community is us so here we are so are we going to do this or not i mean but of course no problem to be passive either if you wanted to sit back and chill and do your thing um obviously that's very possible and lots of people do it and that's cool too and i do it to more or less degrees at various times right according to our energy so yeah like to make these podcasts like you're making these podcasts i mean it's a it's a great resource I really appreciate all these people doing podcasts and writing the articles for the e-zine and putting blogs online and, and putting websites out there. Whether they are, you know, as refined or as sophisticated or as deep as they could be in the future, at least it has to start somewhere. And now, like Jacob Sharp was giving the talk here mm-hmm. and, and uh, somebody asked... Uh, Hey, how do I how do I start to do all this stuff? You know, like Jacob, you're doing all these things, and where do I start? And it maybe it feels intimidating. And he came up and asked me the same thing when Jacob was done. He said, "Hey, but where do I start doing all these things?" And I said, "Well, I know this is really cliche, and you're not going to like it in terms of a concrete answer. But the where you start is you have that awareness to ask the question." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you don't start to ask that question and have that awareness of, oh, I can start somewhere, there is an opportunity to be taken. I mean, that's literally the first place to start. So I know it didn't wasn't what he wanted to hear because he wanted to have a, concrete the three secrets like, <laughs> of always, life. Always, but who doesn't? It's just like that he's asking that question. I mean, he was the only one who came and asked Jacob that question. So I think he's on to something mm-hmm. a little bit more maybe than the next person for now. But yeah, just the next step is to accept that there's no concrete. Yeah, exactly. A lot of questions. Yeah, there's no still ask. There's no straightforward answer. That's for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Now in this way of influencing there's uh, three things that I want to dive into. The first being uh, your teaching. Is this, is this a full-time job teaching at, at the doc? No, like uh, officially I don't have a full-time position. Mm -hmm. um, at doc there is no full-time position for a juggling teacher. Mm -hmm. So I'm what they would call what a, a part-time employee or I just work hours there. I'm not on a monthly salary. Um, though... But you did create a juggling program. Yeah, in terms of writing. some sort of underground structure, I have been there. Again, I've been there a long time. <laughs> How long? Uh, so the school, in some form, has been around, well, before my time even, but I started teaching there in the year 2000, mm -hmm. so okay. 17, oh. 17 years ago. Oh, wow, I didn't know. But that was just for one week, and then the next year was for two weeks, and the next year was for three weeks, mm -hmm. etc. And uh, now... Yeah, so we have this uh, guest teacher kind of program where I'll go in for a few weeks each semester, each half year, and then we'll have uh, one or two other guest teachers come in for a few weeks here and there as as the schedule and the budget allows, basically. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so it's not a full-time position, but I have been there for many years and kind of I wrote the original curriculum for the course for when the school, which didn't used to be an official university. Mm -hmm. And then, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years ago, whatever, it turned into a real university. And then they needed to have a curriculum for the administrative papers. Yes, of course. And I was tasked with writing a curriculum for a university course in juggling, which, since I came from Ohio in America, where there's no... There's no... We're on the verge of having a first professional circus school, Circadium. Mm -hmm. But before that, it was just... Uh, you know, there was the San Francisco school, which was classes by the hour. There was a lot of youth circuses, like Smirkus and Juventus, but there wasn't, in, like, an equivalent school in America to, like, say, the European schools. And so to come from a place where there wasn't even any sort of school and then being asked to write a curriculum for a university and juggling was quite ridiculous, yeah. actually. And I yeah, took so it very seriously. <laughs> I'm glad you did. I have no clue what it's... But what does it look like? What, is, is there an outline? Then do, do, does your program still match the written, or is it written in the end just for right. the registration administration? Right. So, so yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the first the first task was write a three year curriculum for a circus school with juggling, you know, a three year program with juggling in a university system. So first, I had to sit down and ask myself, okay, what is it? What does it mean a university level? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what is that? And, definitely mean. <laughs> and for that, there's kind of two answers. Um, the first answer is that you can look to other fields that are that have a university level. So mm -hmm. you can say, okay, there's dance inside a university. There's other other arts. There's painting, and there's other arts arts in university. Or you can say chemistry or history or mathematics, whatever. They all are in a university, and they all are at a certain level in their field. Mm -hmm. and then you can kind of try to take that model and apply it to juggling. And say that, okay, there's this abstract reality, which would be a university-level juggling program. And you try to imagine what that would be. And that's the course, I, that's the, the route, the path I took. Um, I think the second way to do it, which is more popular or more prevalent, at least in the schools, is that whoever shows up to the audition, you take the best ones. Mm -hmm. And then that becomes the... <laughs> The university yeah, and level. Yeah, and you, you push them for three years, see what comes out, that's right. standards. And you could say then that maybe one year the class graduates and they have people who juggling who are juggling, you know, twenty balls each, and you go, That's university level. So you say, Okay, technically 
a university level, you have to juggle 20 balls. But then the next graduation class, they can juggle five balls. And you go, oh, wait a second. So they have some sort of relative model. But I don't do that. I try to take the abstract approach and say, look, mm -hmm. they said it's university. Let's make a university level juggling course. And it's a little bit of the chicken and the egg because you have to kind of create this thing and then hope that someday that actually that reality gets fulfilled, mm -hmm. even if people aren't ready for it yet. Yes. And then I went to the school and I said, so what are we doing here? And they said, um, well, we are, uh, we're, we're doing contemporary circus mm -hmm. and uh, we're making artists. And I thought, wow, that's pretty heavy. What do those things mean? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> so I had you can have your students figure out. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I had to ask the administration. I said, "What do you mean by contemporary circus?" And this is before the circus was part of the university officially. It was just kind of in the transition there. Mm -hmm. And before the school in Sweden was at the dance university, it was part of Circus Sukor, which is a circus company. And so, okay. the, so the circus, uh, the administration of the school, had this. Uh, paragraph of text from the circus company of what is contemporary circus and it said something about poetry bmx biking <laughs> dj turntables or something They're and very they, specific to their show but they kind of named a bunch of contemporary things uh -huh. <laughs> and then kind of said that is contemporary circus by qualifying contemporary i don't know activities. So every audition they ask can you do bmx yeah well that was the thing right so so i thought it was a pretty useless uh, definition of contemporary circus against which to write a curriculum for. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of create my own definition of contemporary circus, which um, eventually ended up being that, in a very short way, traditional circus, uh, in traditional circus, technique is the end point. Mm -hmm. So I do seven balls to do seven balls done. But in contemporary circus, technique is a means to an end. So I do seven balls to express something else. And we can talk for the rest of our lives about what that something else is and uh, how that is done. But anyway, in that very short order, I thought, okay, contemporary circus technique is only a means to an end. It means technique is not an end point. But that became very important in the program because mm -hmm. in the program, we don't, we don't do technique in class. There's no technique teaching in class. Um, though technique is all we work with. But we don't teach technique. We don't learn tricks in class. That's not at all what we're doing. There's no body correction, like your shoulder's too high. The students have those problems, mm -hmm. and they need to fix them. But we don't spend the class hours to do it. They're um, expected to fix them on their own. Yeah, I mean, of course, we can have one or like we can have some private conversations. Most of the classes are are group classes. We all work together. Um, I can talk more about that in a second. But in terms of the technique. Maybe it's an individual question after class. Hey, Jay, can you look at my five clubs really quick? Can you look at my whatever trick I'm working on really mm -hmm. quick? And then we can have some feedback about technique. But mostly, again, at this abstract university level, I think if I looked around at other art forms, the technique, the process of technique was already on its way. Mm -hmm. So the students who are going to come to that program, they're not going to stop learning technique. But the way they learn technique, they already have a system in their life that works. So they don't need to come to school and have me to tell them, hey, you dropped, you should catch the ball. Hey, you should try again. Hey, you should get more. Oh, you did seven clubs. You should do eight clubs. Like, that's mm -hmm. that's pretty... I didn't take that to be in my conceptual university level. And so the students are uh, expected to keep up their technique outside of class time, which is super heavy. Um, though in the past, I think students had a better... Uh, did a better job, uh, I don't know, had a different attitude towards it. 
and we can talk about that in a second. <laughs> um, but nowadays, yeah, so basically you go to class. When I'm teaching, I'll have three hours a day um, with them, and then they'll have other classes like, you know, theater or clowning or acrobatics or dance. And then on top of that, they're expected by me to keep up their technique training every day. And so then instead of working on technique in class, we work on uh, concepts. And it means that uh, there's there's two. So that, there was there was the two things from the school. There was we're doing contemporary circus and we're going to make artists. Uh-huh. And so I, I solved the contemporary circus question for myself for the moment um, with my definition. And then what does it mean to be an artist? And then that was another thing to have to figure out what what does that mean? And basically, I took it to mean that these people are going to, yeah, express something and create something out of themselves in the end. Or that is maybe not in the final, you know, that this process also will never stop, that they are going to be people who have the skills to create things that they want to do. (laughs) Um, It was as simple as that, which again, I don't think the school even today has a clear understanding of what it means for them to be an artist they don't have Uh these discussions i think internally in the administration or at least it's not clear or articulated between the staff in any sort of coherent way (laughs) consistent way so um anyway what it means then the the actual program is was three years originally um this this structure was three years long so the first year i always gave the analogy of learning a language Uh so the first year we were just working on vocabulary and that kind of meant that we would look at every part of juggling there is to make sure the students were just aware of what was possible. So maybe you know sight swap, but do you know, I don't know, this is terrible, but synchronous sight swap or passing sight swap or mm-hmm. whatever l- little detail that we have an overview of what's happening in juggling right now, which includes everything now, everything from the past that we can possibly dive into that the students have an overview that they know what's possible inside the world of juggling. So you're just basically learning words. If you're mm-hmm. learning a new language, you're learning all the words. Then in the second year, we only do composition of juggling. So we just compose in every single style we can think of, in every single way with a, a bunch of frameworks of how to compose things. You have the traditional structures, beginning, middle, and an end. So when you say compose, you mean like creating a sequence yeah. of, of already existing moves? Yeah, sure. Or and also also composing with improvisation, so maybe mm-hmm. moves that don't exist yet. Um, but just composing in any different way. And again that if you're learning a language, that's uh putting sentences together in paragraphs. It's kind of the rules mm-hmm. of language, like the structure of like pronouns and verbs and sentence structure and like all those kind of things. Yeah. And um then basically the reason we do that in the second year only is to practice composition is because I think composition, it's the same thing as learning technique. So basically we practice all of our time. We spend all of our time to do seven club cascade, right? Mm -hmm. That, that is not something that you would um, originally just pick up and expect to do the first time without any, you know, previous experience, but somehow we don't speak about creating things or creativity in the same way. Mm -hmm. And that really confuses me because people will, Hey, do seven clubs. Oh, I can't do that yet. Okay, well, what, what, what would you do to learn it? Well, I'm going to practice it every day. I'm going to practice three club triples. I'm going to practice my release, my grip. They have this whole system worked out to do technique. And then I say, okay, uh, can you make a new trick? And then they go, oh, I can't make a new trick. And I say, great, how are you going to do that? And they just go, well, I'm going to think of a good one. And there's no, there's no similar process in place mm-hmm. where it's just like, 
um, why are you not practicing composition at the same time that you're practicing technique? So in the second in the second year, we're just practicing composition in the same way that people would practice technique. Um, and so then in the third year, they put all that practice to use and then they make something that they want to make. So they express something that they want to say. So that it's like the first year you learn the words, then you learn to write sentences, and then you tell a story. <laughs> In the third year, you tell a story. And as stupid as it sounds... So it's like an act or... Yeah, so, so, so very concretely from the school, they call it an act. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, Which is a very strict format of seven minutes on a stage with an audience... You would think so, but what you're talking what you're talking about is not the. You're totally right. But what, if you, once well, you no, say acts, no, but you're totally story right. Story can be anything, but but you're totally right. But what the school that the school does not arrive at the place, the way you're talking about, mm -hmm. and I, I agree with you. The reason that the reason the students have to do what we're going to call an act is because let's say there's 20 students, mm -hmm. and then the school says. Okay, for the paperwork for them to graduate, they have to do something concrete that we can show the administration and the bureaucracy that they've complete, <laughs> completed the course, mm -hmm. that we get funding from the government, and we can just cross the box off and say, look, we did, we used your money well. <laughs> so so then the, stu the school says, well, the students should do some performance. And then they say, hmm, there's 20 people. Well, everybody, you have to do something, and it can't be longer than seven minutes. So it's not really, like, yeah. and everybody kind of assumes that means it's an act, because that's what an act kind of, it's like a little bit of a coincidence, like, that's what an act kind of is, but it comes from a kind of different artistic place. It's just like, there isn't a real clear structure for what they think it means to do an act in terms of a specific market or a specific resource of how we're going to position this act or what it really means. So it's kind of like, seven minutes of stuff, which is also coincidentally kind of the same as an act in the real world, and we can kind of mm -hmm. smoosh a lot of these graduation projects into the existing markets, but there's no real conscious conversation about that, I think. Which is a pity if you call yourself a contemporary school, I mean, yeah, how, no. many, how many more years until you can graduate with a video project? Well, that's what I was thinking. I mean, for me, I would much... So they call the, in DOC, they call it the closing act. Mm -hmm. They say, we're going to make closing acts. But just, to, again, to be really clear, yeah, they're acts, but not, I think, in the way that the rest of the world uses the, wor the word act, in that an act normally has a specific market with a specific framework mm -hmm. and a spe specific set of expectations. In Doc, it's more like, yeah, an act is seven or eight minutes of stuff, mm -hmm. sometimes ten minutes of stuff, because the students go long. <laughs> and then, but without any real discussion, I think, from the beginning of the creation of where this is going to go afterwards which in many ways can also be really beautiful because the students will do completely crazy random stuff, but then that will be a sensation in the marketplace because it is so weird or different or coming from a different starting point. You know, it can be very successful, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, but just to say in terms of the conceptual starting point of it all, it's a little bit uh, muddy. Um, instead of having the closing acts, I think it would be nice that there was just the, the, clo the, the closing projects. Mm -hmm. And then you could yeah, do... Yeah an hour-long solo, you could write a book, you could make a video, you can make a podcast, I mean, whatever you, with with a clear intention behind it and with a, a conscious framework of how that's going to continue into the future and bring some sort of desired result, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of having this closing act, it's a little bit of a, 
a compromise in terms of just paperwork and also then pretending that it fits existing structures of the marketplace because people hire acts. But um, in terms of the depth of like the concept, it's a little lost. And so anyway, the biggest challenge of the students, ironically, turns out to be in the third year when they're finally allowed to express themselves and say something. Mm -hmm. They generally don't, sometimes don't have anything to say. No, this is a problem. That this is your school. This is everywhere at all yeah. circus schools. Yeah, yeah. I have so many friends who went to a second circus school because they weren't ready, and then they're even more confused the more material they have. Right. It's just right, right, right. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so we had this. Th so we had this three-year structure. First year, learn the word. Second year, make sentences. Third year, tell the story. If we use this little analogy, um, with juggling. But uh, I think in recent years, I kind of very consciously this last class, I threw all that away and I just started from zero because over the past couple years, the past couple of generations of students, they've become somehow more and more uh, reliant upon the institution. So they'll come to the school and they'll give full responsibility to their lives to the school mm -hmm. in one way. They'll say, okay, here I'm at, now I'm at Doc, Doc's going to take care of me. I can just sit back and be passive. So it means that very concretely, when I would teach years ago, say let's say Wes Peden at school, you know, I would come in and Wes was there juggling. He'd been juggling for an hour. And you walk into the room at eight in the morning or whatever, and he's been there juggling for an hour. And he's sweating and he's he's like, What are we gonna do today? And it's he's hungry, you know? Or Victor Yellenberry and Peter Oberry, they would do the same. You come into class, they'd already been juggling it was intimidating for me as a teacher because I really wanted to yes. to match that excitement. <laughs> but nowadays, I mean, the past few classes, um, I'm not I'm not saying this is a personal judgment against the students. It's just reality. You come in the room and they're sitting there waiting for you to tell them to start. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit like I get it because what we do in class is very conceptual and we do work together as a community and and we do start together. But in the same way, the school what they don't realize is that the school is them. The school, it's like us in terms of the, the yeah. car leaving. <laughs> it's a good moment for me to pick some more milk. Yeah, I'm cool. Do the milk. Marta writes you or? Yeah, let's see. I gotta, I gotta. Uh, can I make, can we, can we pause for a second? Sure, go for it. Because there's some urgent convention thing going on. Oh, wow. They need it. I don't know. And we're back. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so in the past few years, I kind of threw away the plan uh, from before because the students have kind of changed somehow, uh, just in general, with their attitude towards school, mm -hmm. that they give the institution a lot of responsibility for their lives. They're a bit more passive. And in terms of that, then this whole three-year, very specific structure that was kind of this abstract thing, it hasn't, it didn't, it started to not work so well. So very consciously on this, the newest class, I kind of threw everything away and just started from zero to try to understand where we are now. And that could seem, I mean, to me, it seemed a bit silly at one point. I was just like, really, is this, has, has things progressed so rapidly that in the past eight years, I've had to throw away my plan already? That was it so, are we evolving so quickly? But actually it turns out, uh, Eric Oberry said a really, really, uh, uh, powerful thing to me that made me understand that it is changing so fast because he went to circus school mm -hmm. 
Actually, I taught him. He wasn't Doc. He was in the school that was that became Doc. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, he said like this, you know, he said when I first went to circus school, it was amazing that there was a circus school, <laughs> right? And then he said, that's "Fifteen years ago." Yeah, yeah. And then he said, and then he said, the next year when I went to circus school, it was incredible that we had a teacher for one week, right? That there was that not only was there a school, but that there was actually a teacher for a few days. That was insane. And then finally, on you know his last year, that they had a regular teacher was also a revolution. And he said, nowadays, you know, students expect there to be schools. And they expected there to be a teacher all the time. They don't have that understanding that, you know, that didn't used to exist. And so, yeah, I think the system can change so rapidly just in a few years. For him, in three years, his life changed completely in terms of his relationship to the school and how the school functioned in his life. And I'm not saying that the students shouldn't demand a full-time teacher and they shouldn't demand that there is a school, but that their relationship to the value of that has changed. Mm -hmm. And they take in one way, more things are granted, yeah. which is bad, but in another way, they should. They should start to just get pat. Like, we shouldn't be sitting around debating if, are, should there be schools or not, and that's dumb. We shouldn't waste our time debating if there's teachers or not. That's also useless. Of course, there should be. So let's move on with it. But at the same time, Eric really still understands the value of the, what those things mean because he lived through that revolution. And so now I think the current generations of students are a bit like, institutionalized where it's like yeah we start to compare to other schools right, right like in a dance school right, right. also taken by the school right kind of through same with music right and it's like it's also like it's like a thing to do now where it's like okay because i so many people because i teach at doc i get a i get facebook messages like every other day you know and they say hey i want to go to school i want to perform do you have some advice and it's like well it becomes this thing where the best advice really to be a juggler in one way is they think if you're going to go to a circus school for juggling, you're just going to juggle all day long. It's going to be a 24 hour a day juggling festival. <laughs> and you know, when you go to school that you do everything but juggle, mm -hmm. you, you go to theater class, you have anatomy class, business class, you have group projects, you have solo projects, you have to write papers. I mean, it's a huge distraction in your life. <laughs> and so if you just want to juggle, I think the perfect world, um, it would be some sort of community because there is a value to the community in such a way that in class, since we don't work on tricks, we just work on concepts. Let's say this is kind of a, a little infamous concept that we've been doing for a while at Doc. It's like, make a sequence that's five and a half throws long. And people, what's a half throw? And yeah, exactly. That's what we have to find. What is a throw? What is a catch? Blah, 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 blah. Um, the only value in that assignment in many ways is that we both do it and then I see what you do and you see what I do and we see if we agree or not. Because then I see you do something and I go, that's totally wrong. And then I, but through understanding that you're, I had that opinion that you were wrong, I understand what I think is right or whatever. Or I see what you do and I go, that's genius. I never thought of it like that. So that you have a bunch of opinions in the room that you can form your own opinion. And also that you have your own process and I can go, wow, um, you know, Daniel has done super, he did it really fast. And I spent an hour on mine. Wait, how did he? And then we can kind of analyze each other. So there's some sort of value of the community to push everybody forward. And if there is a value of school, because I think of that kind of every day I teach at Doc, I think, why are we here? What are we doing? Every day. Every day. I go, why are we here? What are we doing? Because the other disciplines like, say, teeterboard or acrobatics, 
I get it. If you make a mistake without a coach, without the right equipment, you're going to land on your neck and die. You're like, that's a reality. Mm-hmm. But with juggling, it's not the same. We can make more mistakes and we can practice longer because physically it's a different activity. Um, so juggling maybe needs a different sort of structure or an environment than a circus school. Lately, mm-hmm. I've been thinking yeah. that juggling should be an art school, not a circus school. But that's a whole other discussion. Well, there's, there's a couple of people who've been playing with the idea of a juggling school in my yeah but exactly. I, was, I was actually wondering before exactly. you mentioned that uh, there's no technique training mm. is this similar in the, are the other disciplines in doc taught te- do they teach technique yeah or, it's only so technique. It's just juggling where it's yeah yeah so basically that makes you really the odds one y- out exactly because i look out the window like when i'm teaching i look out the window to the other hall and it's just like there's the handstand people and they're just you know getting corrections on their posture and t- point mm-hmm. your toe and you go look at the I'm not saying in other disciplines they don't do creative things, but it's all technique-based. It's just like, on the rope, okay, find a new grip, but also here's this other grip that we do. Do your twist. On the tight wire, do the salto. It's really like... So it's just the poor jugglers have to get up at six and do their own training. <laughs> kind of. I mean, I'm not saying... Again, I don't mean to talk down the other classes, oh, but, no, but, but but let me, let me give a really clear example, which is in my class at DOC with juggling, I'll say why are we juggling? And I'll say, why should somebody watch you juggle? That's like a real thing we deal with. We confront that in the class. I can promise you the handstand students do not get the question from their coach. Hey, why are you going to do handstand? Why should people watch you do handstand? That's all assumed. In one way, it's good because you don't waste all this existential energy on it. But in another way, you get every handstand student doing the same position as every other Russian handstander for the rest of time. You know, so, and it's the same thing on the Roussier. They're teaching Roussier in Doc. I can promise you, I prom- I mean, I should ask them, well, anyway, that's a whole bureaucracy, administrative, organizational issue. But basically, it's like, at no point do they ever ask the student, so why are you doing Roussier? You know, I mean, maybe the answer can be very practical or like, oh, I got injured because I used to do hand-to-hand and now I have to, I can't put strain on my shoulder, so I do Roussier. I don't mean like that. I mean... I mean, you know, conceptually, like, why are you juggling? Not literally, why are you juggling? (laughs) But, like, what does juggling mean to you? What do you want to get out of juggling? What do you want to share about juggling? Like, why are we here? Like, literally, you know, not not just some sort of uh, logistical, uh, yeah, yeah, reality, but some sort of conceptual artistic reality because we're making artists and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, so, so I think instead of going to school, the better, the better choice these days would be that you take all of your living expenses of going to school in a different country. Maybe you live with your parents for a little bit. You take private dance class. You take private gymnastics class if you want to learn some acrobatics or whatever. Definitely take dance classes. Maybe go to a local community college and take an art class on perspective, on drawing, or mm-hmm. even art history or something. And then go to every juggling festival you can. Watch every YouTube video you can. Watch every podcast you can. Listen to everything. Read every blog. Uh, maybe go to Kiev for three months, pay some money to go there, but basically make your own private education. And that would be much more efficient. And this idea of efficiency, like I said before, every day at DOC, I say, why are we here? What are we doing? The only thing I can determine about having juggling inside of a circus school environment or any sort of structured institution is efficiency. Because we can learn on our own. And the funny thing is most of the students who come to the school they've already learned, they've demonstrated they can learn on their own because they have the technique mm-hmm. to be there. So why are they there? They don't need me to stand there and tell them to learn another trick. 
but what I can help them is to be more efficient, which means the least amount of energy for the most amount of results, which doesn't mean that at least amount of energy means there's no energy. It just means that you're using it very efficiently. So this idea of efficiency really strikes me in terms of education of juggling, uh-huh. that, that the education of juggling has to be efficient. And in that way, the most efficient process would be that you just do a targeted approach in your life on your own with your own money. But the problem with that is it's not very appealing to parents. Not only to parents, and social structures. Like there, there is something to say about having a structure outside. I mean, there's a lot of energy into investing, right. finding these blogs, reading these blogs. Yeah, yeah. Somebody tells you sometimes to remind sure, you. Sure, sure. Yeah, but also just socially, it's not really cool to, like, hey, what are you going to do with your life? I'm going to university for juggling. That's gives some sort of, you know, status. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you say, oh, what are you doing with your life? Oh, I'm going to every juggling festival and I'm, you know, I'm taking a dance class on the weekend. It's not as yeah. socially acceptable, but in one way, it would be the most straightforward, efficient thing to do in is that there, process. Is there extra added value in being in a group of students your age at your level? Yeah, I think that's... This is something you find at a school as well. Yeah, man. I think the best thing of circus school is two things. The first one is just like that university experience, being away from home for the first time, learning how to do your laundry, cook your food, stay stay fed... <laughs> get enough sleep, you know, all these just real life things of learning how to live. I think that's a valuable thing. And and just the social structure of the other students. Yeah, meeting people from different countries. Um, that's really valuable. So Doc kind of... Sweden used to let anybody come to the school for free. Mm-hmm. And then the government changed, like, uh, from left wing to right wing or something. I don't understand any of this, so don't <laughs> quote me. But basically... Um, they stopped all the funding for the school for the people who are not from EU. Mm-hmm. So if you're not from the EU, you can't really go to the school, basically. And I think we lost a lot of diversity because of that. And the diversity is one of the great benefits of circus school. You go and meet people from Israel. You meet people from America, for example, in the EU. You meet people from every every place. Um, and now it's really just an EU school. And that's a little bit of a shame. And the... For example, the second thing is exactly meeting the people in terms of not just social structures, but your work. So the best thing that Wes Peden got out of Doc was meeting Patrick Elmert, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And Tony Pezzo, right? So, yes, so the best thing out of their school time, really, people say, oh, what, what did Wes get out of school? Like, you taught him, and he's so good. What, did, what, did, what happened there? Uh, oh, yeah, he met Patrick, and they got along. They became friends. <laughs> and that was, like, amazing for the juggling world. <laughs> so... That's a, that's a big part of that's a big part of circus school is like who you meet and that's another part of circus school that people tend to not um, kind of think uh, talk talk about as a it's not cool to talk about it or it's it's not in the process from the beginning to talk about kind of the political connection so it's like you know if you want to work in Cirque du Soleil don't go to Doc go to Montreal if you want to work in Seven Fingers go to Montreal mm-hmm. I mean just politically you're in their town you're gonna meet those people. You're going to make this network. So in Sweden, it's like, who are you going to meet? Who are you going to network with? And how is that going to further what you actually want to do? And that's a hard thing to think about before you even go to school. Hey, what am I going to do after school? But that's kind of the game. I mean, you know, you, you, you got to think, you should think about that before you start. Um, or it's not as efficient, <laughs> as efficient or whatever. I mean, you're going to meet people regardless of where you go. And you're going to be able to achieve what you want to achieve eventually wherever you go. But there's so many years ahead, right? I mean, right. <laughs> you managed without school to tick every box you wanted, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, I, 
on accident, uh, because I was, I was asked to teach, yeah, starting, yeah, we could say 17 years ago. And at first I was thinking like, oh, why am I teaching? I have nothing to say. Um, what am I going to do? And then I realized that because I grew up with no school, it was a little bit of a novelty in this system where there are a bunch of schools and that because I learned on my own, I kind of also learned how to learn. And then that was something that I could share with students that was maybe different than what they grew up with. So like I say, these days, somebody says, hey, I want to be a juggler. And what they mean is normally they've been juggling as a hobbyist and they want to become a professional performer. And so then they say, oh, to be a performer, then that means, yeah, I go to school for that. You can go to school for that now. So then therefore I should do that. Yeah. And so then it's just like a kind of a normal expected thing, I guess. And we have another van leaving <laughs> the, the site here. We can name more brands of crops. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> back to our... We talked about school stuff really long. So yeah. if there was a cut right now, then it means that probably we shorted it already. But um, sure. But there was a cut for sure because of the people leaving. People saying goodbye. <laughs> it's all right. No, but there were still things that I wanted sure. to dip into. So yeah. we'll Let's agree do it. to go over those. Sure. Uh, another way that I know... Uh, that you influence people, which I know very little about, but I... I happen to visit like 50 live shows a year of things and very often in the booklet somewhere on the list I see your name appear of <laughs> people who help produce things, direct things. You seem to be involved with a lot of shows in the background. Hmm. What is it what you do? <laughs> what do you do with them? What has been recent projects? And can you tell something about how this... Yeah, sure. What, what, yeah, just, I'm just curious myself. So maybe it's <laughs> not much. Maybe there's something big. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, it's nothing I ever expected. But if you... Again, if you kind of look around at the other art forms, there are like like if you're gonna do a sh if you're gonna do I don't know a dance, you're gonna have a choreographer who writes the dance, mm -hmm. and maybe you're gonna even have a somebody who's doing the dramaturg on the show, or you can have a in a play you have a scriptwriter, you have a director, you have the dramaturg, you have a choreographer, you have a whole team of creative people, and somehow again inside of juggling, we have this history of how things evolved but you don't have a team of people. There's some sort of uh, value in that you do everything yourself mm -hmm. in one way. You are, by default, the writer, director, choreographer, dramaturge, whatever you want to say. Even your own teacher, did you not re yeah. recommend this? <laughs> and, and I mean, uh, on one way, there has been kind of a recent discussion about, um, especially in France, though, this has been around a long time, that you are an interpret or you're the author of the work. It means that you know, it is like a dancer who does Swan Lake. Mm -hmm, you didn't yes. make Swan Lake, but you're dancing Swan Lake. Mm -hmm. So in France, they talk a, a lot about this, that you're hired as an interpret. It means somebody tells you what to do. Or on the other hand, you're an author. It means you create the work. Um, and so I've been involved in a few projects in a really strange way that I didn't think existed before, but I'm super happy that it starts to become uh, an option of how to work with juggling, which is that I've been hired to... I guess there's not even a word for it, but direct the juggling, mm -hmm. which is awesome because I can come in and I can work on the juggling in a show and I don't have to take a responsibility for the whole overview of the show. And so basically what it means is that um, in this in this new way of working, uh, I worked with um, De Facto on the show Flack with mm -hmm. Eric Langekel and Guillaume Martinet. And um, I came in and they showed me a bunch of juggling and they said, tell me about the juggling. <laughs> and what was really cool is because at first I was, of course, really scared and nervous. What should I say? I mean, 
what if I don't like it or what, it, like, what are you, what's the, why, like, why are we doing this? And what's, what are we going to get out of it? Um, but it turns out that actually there's a lot to say in terms of just analyzing what they were doing. For example, the first thing they showed me was they said, oh, we have this little five minute thing we put together that we had to show some producers or something. Mm -hmm. And then I watched the five minute thing and I was just like, wow, you guys have 20 different shows in that five minute thing. Because what they do is, and it's a very natural tendency of a juggler is to do one little concept mm -hmm. and then switch to a new one. It's like, okay, because it comes back to when we were kids, like, I'm going to make a routine, so I'm going to do a pirouette. Well, I did the pirouette, so I can't do that anymore. So, oh, I'll do the behind the back. Cross that off the list. And you kind of have this laundry list of like different ideas and techniques. And after you do it one time, you cross it off. Whereas on their five minute long sequence, they would do an amazing moment or a throw that would set up uh, expectation and then they would just change this to another new idea and then just did this for five minutes and I was just like, wow, you, we could pull this apart and really start, start to analyze and structure those moments so that the expectations start to make sense and that they go deeper or they go wherever you want them to go. And that comes back to this idea that... Um, I talked lately to this to the students in doc uh, about this to the students in doc, but I've been thinking this for many years that juggling is just a game in terms of performing. It's just, um, in fact, maybe all the performing is just some sort of game, <laughs> and that the most successful performances they give the rules of the game very clearly to the audience, but in such a way that it's still fun to play the game. Mm -hmm. So it's not it's not like everything is laid out black and white from the beginning, so it becomes boring and obvious. But at the same time, the rules are known so the audience doesn't get lost. And the best acts are those people who set up the game and then play the game. The perfect example is Michael Motion's Triangle. Mm -hmm. So in his performance, he starts off by walking past it and he bounces the ball yeah. and it bounces it's, out. It explains very well how it works, yep. how and he, his mind evolves into the... Exactly. So he sets up the game and then he plays the game. And that's like a perfect... Yeah, that's kind of what all performing is. And... Um, so kind of watching their, their work and saying, okay, your juggling is, in this moment, you're playing this game and then trying to identify what that game is and the rules of the game really clearly and say, okay, the juggling you're doing there is this juggling and you could make an hour-long show by following these rules of just this kind of juggling and then analyzing all that. And um, so I did that with Flack to, yeah, conceptualize the juggling. And it's another thing too where... Um, for example, if I do a shoulder throw, mm -hmm. then I'm doing three balls and I do a shoulder throw. And I go, hey, I made a new trick. It's a shoulder throw. And then you're kind of done. Well, you have two shoulders. You can do it on either side. Then you're kind of done. You could do a reverse shoulder throw. Okay, that's maybe a variation. You could do it with more objects or something. But you're still stuck with a shoulder throw. But if you say, instead of I did a shoulder throw, I did a body throw. And you go, oh, okay. I threw it on my shoulder. My shoulder is a body part. Oh, I have other body parts. I could throw under my leg or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a simple example. But it's kind of looking at what they're doing with their juggling and saying, okay, you think you're throwing around your shoulder, but you're actually, what you're doing is a larger concept, which we could call body throws or whatever. Um, and so they found a lot of new, I think, new concepts inside of their work that we could then pull apart and then they could go much deeper into each of those. So I did that with Flack and then I did it with... Um, the EIEO show all the fun mm -hmm. came in and did the same game with the juggling and then I did it most recently with Distoni it's the new de facto show 
um, with with Guillaume and Kim and Andre, and it premieres this month. Andre, who's this? Yeah, Andre, the contact juggler, wavy, wavy dude. Ah, Andre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Andre and Kim and Guillaume. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, Bip, I think he called himself. Yeah, right. Yeah, That's so the they one. have they're gonna premiere in June, um, and Eric Longekell directed that show, and we start to have a little bit of a creative team where it's like uh, Eric Longekell and uh, doing some uh, creation, directing outside eye stuff, and I'm doing some juggling direction and then there's a uh, johan this french uh director who's doing the dramaturgy on this mm-hmm. kind of he did it on flack and all the fun and uh, yeah so there's a little small creative team bubbling around making this cer- certain style of shows that i'm quite proud of and really happy and it's been amazing to be involved in juggling in that way that i never thought that that would be if you're a juggler you think okay i can be a performer i can be a teacher would you ever be a... I don't even know what the word is, but a... Juggling director. Juggling director. And I'm so happy that that becomes a thing now. And I think the show's flack and all the fun, I'm super, super proud of um, to be, have been involved with it. Mm-hmm. And I think they're amazing shows in terms of juggling art. And I really stand behind that and go, yeah, that's the future where I want to see juggling going. Mm-hmm. It's some of the craziest juggling I've ever seen. Definitely. And yes. and I love it. And then the... But another kind of a... You had mentioned before you wanted to ask me about this, so I thought of one thing last night, which was even more crazy, um, was that Greg Kennedy um, hired me to work on his show, Theorem. So he made a new show after he quit uh, Totem with Cirque du Soleil. Mm-hmm. It was a group show, and it was an amazing offer he gave me. He basically sent me new prop shapes, like new props that he made, and he said, I just want you, I'm hiring you to make me tricks. You just make tricks with these props. And uh, in return, like we could both use the we could we could both use the props, and I could get the props as payment. So I got my own set of props. I could I could use the tricks. He just said, I only ask that you let me premiere the piece first with the tricks. And of course, he wow. he puts them on stage in a different way. And, and you even get paid for this. Yeah, I mean, he puts them That's on stage like in a the different best way. Best job in the world. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, why would even offer that away? Like, you're something going for yourself. Yeah. So I was really like, that was also a really crazy uh, experience too. Greg, I can send you my number. You know, <laughs> like I have ideas too. <laughs> but I think it was super clever because, for example, look at any other industry of the arts. I mean, a song, a, a singer. They have mm-hmm. a songwriter. Oh, it, it is where it a dancer go, has a choreographer. Like, and if I had the I'm money, I'm glad he has so much to do. That's if I had the money, I would definitely. If I was making a new show, I'd hire Wes Peden to make me tricks. I mean, I mean, joke comedy uh, comedians do it all the, the time, yes, right? Of course, they hire writing, people to make jokes. Ghost trick writing. Yeah, uh-huh. that's where it's. That's, that's where I wanted to go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have I have a new goal in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. I think it's gonna be an amazing thing just to sit at home and make tricks. It would be so mm-hmm. fun. It was great. Yeah, it was really fun, and I hope we can do more of that in the future. But yeah, so that's been kind of that experience behind the scenes of working on the juggling and the shows, and again, not having to worry about how it's put on stage or worrying about all that other stuff, just worrying about technique and tricks and composition. It's been like heaven. <laughs> it's been great. Um, is there something else you want to know about the the stuff, that stuff? Uh, there was Directing there was stuff? one show in particular that I remember that I saw, but I can't remember the name. There was like they had like mini teeter boards with yeah, the balls attached. attached. Yeah, yeah. So like just because I that's when I saw it, and I yeah, remember. Yeah. yeah. So then, uh, cause that so so kind of the work with like de facto and EIO, um, it's been just on the juggling part. Mm-hmm. But then I've directed other shows. Um, I directed Magmanus in their show Attached. Oh yeah, the, 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 the nice Magmanus drinks the bell. Yeah, and the show is called Attached. And um, my job, <laughs> and also I just to say because it was a similar job. 
I directed another show um, with a company in Sweden called Circus Alphonse. Um, not Cirque Alphonse, which is the Montreal company, but Circus Alphonse. Mm-hmm. And they had a show called Eurotrash. And kind of with Eurotrash and Attached, um, yeah, my my job was a little bit similar in that I was kind of the... I was hired in one way to be the guy in the middle because Eurotrash was a four-person show and Attached was a two-person show. And they'd been working together for a long time, both companies, you know, with each other um, internally. And I was kind of called in to be like the, you know, in one way, just take on that role of like, here's two, in Attached, there's two guys that are trying to make artistic decisions. One guy wants to do one thing, one guy wants to do another thing. (laughs) And I'm in the middle and I should just choose. So in one way, I was just there to be the tiebreaker in the voting process. (laughs) Um, Maybe that's a little bit too humble, but... I, that's again like a super luxurious position. In one, yeah, in one way, that's just the reality. I mean, in another way, my goal or my general role in those positions was more to just kind of be an overview, kind of, kind of like let them be, let them have all crazy ideas, and I try to like compile them and compact them into a, a organi- organized, mm-hmm. realistic plan. So more logistical work and um, having an overview of the whole thing. And uh, though, I mean, the same thing. Because I've also directed a million school shows, like school productions. Mm -hmm. And just to say, like, directing a school show is kind of the worst job in the world. Because you have... In general, being a director is weird because if the show is good, then the audience goes like, Oh, so really, really great performers. Like, Mm -hmm. really great performers. And if the show's bad, it's like, Ah, that director sucks. (laughs) You know? It's just like, it's hard to get a good... uh, if the directing goes good, it's like lighting design and sound design in directing. If they go good, nobody notices it. Yes, right. Yes. It should be invisible. But if it if it goes wrong, then it sticks out, and you just go, "Oh, the light design was terrible." But well, you, you can't really tell from the performance who made it. Like if it was a group process right. or a solo effort, or right. But in a school show, um, generally, let's say you have twenty students. Well, it's still a school project, so everybody has to be involved. Everybody has to do their act. It means you have oh, twenty yes, acts. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and. Um, yeah, and it's really, uh, it's just a terrible, uh, <laughs> a terrible task to try to accomplish to make a, a show that's fun and watch, or, you know, f- I mean, survivable for the audience, and it has 20 different acts, and there's five, those deal, those shows. five people doing rope acts, and <laughs> five other people doing juggling acts, I don't know. Yeah, so it can be a bit of a challenge. But in terms of directing, it's more that um, you try to make everything uh, have a reason, so you just say, well, why are you doing that? And trying to get deeper into the reason of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I'm working on a new show with Eric Langekel. Uh We're going to do a show, a duet under EIO. And that'll premiere 2018. And so now the show's about aliens. You together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll be on stage. And it's about aliens. And um, so we're really... Okay. Yeah, so we're really talking about, like, okay, but... It's about aliens, but is it for real? Or is it a joke? Or what's... Like, on what level are we doing the show? And what does it mean? And there's a lot of figuring out exactly what we're trying to do so that we can accomplish it. Because a lot of times you go into a situation and people have um, a really clear internal identity, but their idea of how to put that work and interact with the outside world, it's really unclear. Or they think they're doing one thing and they're actually doing another thing. That's the whole part of, that's the whole point of directing, you know, is being on the outside and being able to say, hey, you think your hand is straight, but actually it's really crooked just make it straight. If you want it to be straight, do you want it to be straight? <laughs> like all these questions and trying to help them figure out what they're going to do. Um, 
so yeah, in terms of directing, it can be a bit of a headache. It's not my favorite thing to do. I, I much prefer what I did with Flack and EIO, where it's just like you go in and work on the juggling and and you can really get deep into the juggling and not worry about this whole larger thing to keep together that might fall apart. <laughs> and it has, a, it has a larger responsibility, I think, to direct the whole piece. Um, and also, I think directing is like an art form of itself and mm -hmm. that you can go to school for and study and learn. And yes. I don't know anything about that. so <laughs> Not yet? No, not yet. Just by through, through some experience. But um, I think if I direct more, it would be nice to study it maybe more formally okay. would be clever <laughs> at some point even though as a juggler you, as a juggler mind you don't go to school because sorry with juggling you have a good experience even mm. though you never went to school oh, i, I see say that you have to know how to pick up skills but i think i think that also comes back to that idea that you can practice creativity and the way you practice juggling technique and i think you can practice directing too and i just you know i've spent my whole life juggling so i'm pretty confident mm -hmm. even i didn't go to school for juggling i'm pretty confident in terms of knowing what's going on with juggling with directing it's more like i don't practice it and i don't study it and i do it sometimes and so it's a you little need bit to get willing volunteers to really yeah practice. <laughs> yeah exactly uh. yeah exactly so i don't know yeah it's a different thing <laughs> definitely and what was your third thing you were going to ask yeah the about? third thing i was just going to come to it so the third we're going back a level because we started teaching and then directing at all these upper <laughs> levels of how right. juggling. but one more hands-on thing because uh, we had a workshop you gave two days ago yeah yeah you have a workshop here at the festival and uh it was all about finding these infinite amount of possibilities in this case we were talking about body throws mm. but then as I myself wonder very often, I find a million possibilities, mm. and I'm just so lost. Like, where, what do I train of these, or do I just every day keep on making more mm. and never learn anything? Mm. Right. What, what do you recommend, uh, your students or anybody? Where, what, 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 what which, <laughs> which, which tricks do they practice? And there's, there's just too much. In sure, okay. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's a related question to. So, what you're asking is related, I think, to something I also ask myself which is, let's say I'm making something, let's say I'm going to create a new act or whatever, just to use in easy language, a new sequence, whatever. And I say, okay, here in the sequence, it'd be really cool if I did seven ring back crosses for whatever reason, either I have a really clear reason or I have an intuition, it doesn't matter. I say here, I should do seven ring back crosses. Then I say to myself, okay, I can't do that trick. Maybe that trick, maybe I'll never do that trick. So do I take five years? <laughs> And, mm -hmm. and try to see how far I can get into that trick or do I just change the trick now? And there's this constant back and forth between when you're creating something, is it bad because it's a bad idea or is it bad because you can't do it yet? And that's like the biggest challenge for me. And it's, it's a little... the end result in the first place. You have a story you want to tell and therefore you... Maybe. Yeah, you, you would hope so. But I think sometimes it's it's maybe less clear, especially when you're creating more more organically or more freely um mm -hmm. it's just like you have an intuition like oh this could be really good so do i go in that direction uh, you don't know if it's you don't know how to invest the time and that's what you were talking about too investing time in which area do you do you invest time so maybe you think of a trick we don't have to even think of an act we can, or a sequence we can just say a trick you say okay i have this image for a trick in my head i can see theoretically how it's possible um so then you you have to put your hands on it in real life to confirm if the image in your head is is actually good, I think. And so then you kind of do it a little bit, but you can't do it yet because it's a hard technique. And then you say, okay, that sucked. So you go, okay, 
did it suck because it's a bad idea from the beginning or did it suck because I can't do it yet? And it's just this idea of how to judge material that doesn't exist yet. And part of the answer to that is kind of part of the answer to your question too, I think. And that is having some sort of larger awareness of your own work and also the work that's out there and your position in that field. So you're saying, what you're saying is you could keep creating tricks forever and never go back and learn maybe yeah. the other ones you created yesterday. Yes, and, and mostly creating and learning is so different from each other. Right, exactly. And um, I had when I was younger, I had that bad habit. I would always make something new instead of going back and editing the thing before. So my work always stayed at a certain level. It was always like, eh, it's okay because it was kind of new and exciting, but it was never really refined or cleaned up or learned properly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then at some point I had to stop just doing things to be just because they were new and go back and, and start to edit the stuff I'd done before to find what was actually going on with them. And so then it becomes this idea in both of these questions, your question and my question of is the trick good or bad or do I have to learn it or whatever. It's this idea of necessity, which is really hard to um, talk about specifically, but in concept, it's this idea that uh, Ivar Heckscher, who was the old principal of the circus school mm -hmm. in Sweden, he um, he's kind of a, my mentor for many years, and he talks all the time about necessity, that we can't do things that are, we shouldn't do things that are new just to be new, but we have to do things that are new that are needed. And in fact, he had a really funny... Uh, example of this that you know in the perfect world you would uh, read the news every day watch all the news on tv read, read every newspaper um and then for like one week or something and then in, and then when the audience comes into your show you would interview each and every one of them in depth and really get to learn and know them and then you go on stage and you you do what's really appropriate in that moment and that place and time um whatever the hell that would be like what could that mean but then the work in, in an effort to be necessary, that what you're doing is necessary. And so to answer your question, maybe more specifically, it's like you, I think for me, at least it helps that you have an overview. Of what's everybody else doing? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, just out of being curious, not in, not in a controlling kind of egotistical judgment yeah, I, way. I think most of us have visiting. Many of us watch videos, performances. Right. Yeah, like, just go, you know, now all the Japanese jugglers are on Instagram. Like, get an Instagram mm -hmm. account, just go watch all the Japanese guys on there. It's amazing. You know, go on Juggling Rock every other day, check out the new scrolling YouTube feed, <laughs> check that out. Kind of have an overview of what, what, what's out there, what's happening. And then you can start to form your own opinion and say, well, I, uh, you know, this kind of work appeals to me and this kind of work appeals to me. Maybe that can start to help edit your own process when you're making new tricks every day or you find all these possibilities, all these possible directions to go in. You can start to have some sort of sense of your own uh, opinion okay. or your own desire of where to go. So it's not... So yeah, so having some sort of uh, external um, view of what's going on is good. But then also sitting down and having an internal view and going the opposite direction and saying, well, okay, I could make a million tricks, but... Um, what are the tricks I made in the past that I like the best or what things do I enjoy doing now or how much time for me, it comes down to resources. A lot of time it's like how much time and energy and money do I have to invest in this mm -hmm. thing? And then I say, okay, I'm not going to learn seven ring back crosses. I'm going <laughs> to make a new, 
I'm going to change that part of the routine so that I can perform it tomorrow. So recently, um, I made a three magnet club act mm -hmm. and I did it as a little bit of an experiment because now I have a one and a half year old son. And so I think as many new parents who are artists tell you, yes, it limits your, it limits your time that you can go and rehearse and be creative and et cetera, you know, and you have to integrate this into your lifestyle. So with the magnet clubs, I said, okay, I'm going to make this act in 20 hours and from zero, like from never touching the clubs to having a finished act that I can do every time without dropping. And that was really awesome because I would come, I would be in rehearsal and I would come up with a trick and I would be like, I can imagine this trick being super cool if I worked on it for two years. Right. And then <laughs> and I was just like, gonna, yeah. I was just like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, what's the trick I can do? I can do tomorrow with the goal properly in mind. You can select. Yeah. And, and I was really happy with how they, I was really worried it was going to turn out to be boring or maybe too simple or just, yeah, I don't know, irrelevant, but somehow there was a clarity to the piece. I'm not saying it's the best thing that's ever been done, but there was like a clarity to the piece that had some sort of internal integrity that I was really happy with. So in terms of that process, it was really fun. And that process was really, turned out to be really kind of weird uh, or unanticipated in that for the first uh, five hours, I just made tricks without any sort of plan because my normal approach would be to sit down and go, okay, I'm going to map out all the conceptual possibilities like we did in the workshop a bit mm -hmm. where it's like you can change this part you can change this part and this part now let's go and do 10 variations of each etc etc but now it was just like okay i'm just going to create fr freely create until i run out of inspiration <laughs> and then i'll start to do this my, my little game of like making a rule for everything but then i did five hours of just making tricks without running out of ideas i filmed all those tricks and then the next five hours, I only worked with those tricks. Mm -hmm. So I learned my lesson from when I was a kid. <laughs> and I didn't keep going yes. forward. I went back to those tricks. There's a time for creation, a time for... Yeah, well, th then I just remixed practice. them. I just remixed them. So I would take a trick I filmed in the, filmed in the first five hours. And I would take that trick and go, okay, is it, could it be better? Mm -hmm. And I go, yeah, what if I add a back cross? What if I, instead of double spins, I make it single spins? I'll film that and see how it looks. So there was just another five hours of refinement of the first tricks, which made even more new tricks because I would think of new variations and then the last 10 hours was like editing all those tricks down and then last like the next five hours and then the last five hours was just like creating the routine and and doing it and then filming it and now I can yeah after 20 hours I have a little routine that it's fun to do and uh, it exists it's concrete and it's realistic so that was pretty cool it was like a fun little process so I think this idea of just having like infinite possibilities, I feel it all the time like you do, but it's having some sort of external identity or like understanding and then mm -hmm. an internal identity and having some idea of where you fit into all that or where you want to be or something. And then it's just like, yeah, like if you have a son, then you have to <laughs> budget your time. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's that. Cool. <laughs> cool. So. Those are the big three things of the interview. Now we're <laughs> left with just a small three things, things that we've talked for a lot. Sure. The first of them being, um, did we miss something? Is there something that the joining community should know right now that you want to say? No. Or not? Well, just to say that uh, we're on a we're on a podcast called Juggle Jabber, mm -hmm. and as uh, I've been playing a lot with these ideas lately, basically it's that we talked a lot today about different aspects of juggling. And I think it's really good to be clear about those in a conversation, just to realize that there's juggling as the activity. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then we talk about juggling inside of a circus school 
and that also means performing and performing with juggling. And again, being here at the juggling festival this weekend and having conversations with people and listening to Jacob Sharp give a lecture about his own life and his own work, there's still so much of these conversations we have about juggling that are so mixed up in terms of what we're talking about. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's awesome that we're here and we're all talking. And we know intuitively what we're saying. But just to be really clear, juggling is not performing. Mm -hmm. Juggling is a thing. It's, a, it's an activity. And you can perform with juggling. And so when we're talking about directing shows, that's, that's a totally different thing than juggling. But... I find it relevant to talk about, for example, on, on Juggle Jabber in such a way that um, the shows with DeFracto and EIO, they're juggling shows. Mm -hmm. And that is the main uh, form of expression of those shows. So, for example, people, people go see these shows and they walk away and I think in one way they talk about the juggling. That's one of the identifying characteristics. Whereas a lot of times, just to say, you'll go see a show and you'll walk away and then and the, it's, let's say it's called a juggling show, and they'll say, oh, that, that show was so funny. And that's not a bad thing, but just realize that maybe there's a hierarchy mm -hmm. of artistic expression where juggling is not at the top. <laughs> and we have to start to kind of have these conversations very clearly, I think, that we start to understand that juggling, just to say, because it's, it's, it's still not clear yet, juggling is an art form on its own that is valid without any other justification. So we're talking about circus school in different disciplines in such a way that, especially in America now, the, the, in America there's this big discussion about um, new circus, because uh, Ringling Brothers closed and all these other things happening these days. Mm -hmm. Big Apple closed and reopened. So there's all these discussions about circus. Circadium is going to be the first contemporary circus school in America that offers a degree. Where is this again? It's going to be in Philly, Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's all really exciting and new things are happening. But the level of discussion is still that circus and indeed juggling, which is part of circus, um, needs to be justified with something more. Mm -hmm. That to do a trick is not valid. It must be a trick. And then people say, what is your character? What, what, are you, what is the story? And that doesn't... No, it, it's the same thing. So the if I do a juggling trick and you, you ask me, what is my character... Quite literally, my character is exactly what I just did when I did the mm -hmm. trick. And the great... Uh, you cannot separate them. I mean, people do separate them, but the result is 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 bad. Like, is... Yeah, I've said about this before, but basically, I'm juggling three balls, and then I say, what's, the what's your character? Oh, I'm Indiana Jones. Okay, I put on the hat, and I play the Indiana Jones music, and I do the same three-ball cascade. That is not... <laughs> that is not... That's not... Uh, relevant today that that's from the past where we've moved beyond that and the conversation needs to move beyond that so especially in america all this talk about yeah circus can't juggling can't just be tricks it has to be more no what they're saying is they haven't seen juggling to a high enough level yet that they're happy with mm -hmm. and they don't know how to articulate that so they say it has to be more than the technique but i'm telling you now <laughs> that juggling technique is it's, it is the expression when we're talking about juggling art. Mm -hmm. That's all there is. So you, you can use other things. You can use music. You can use theater yeah, and but acting. It's, it's, it's additional. Like you yeah, can, it's supporting. It's, and it's in any performing arts. You can... Well, the way I approach it, and, and again, because we've been talking a lot about school and education and teaching, 
the way I approach it is like this. You have all of your you have all of your techniques of how to express yourself. You have juggling, acrobatics, dance, storytelling, mime, clowning, theater, music, whatever, right? You have all these things, puppetry, whatever. And you can just make some sort of like little list and like a hierarchy and you can say, "Look, I'm going to do a juggling show." Cool. Now I know I'm doing a juggling show. I put juggling at the top of the list. And then I say, what else am I interested in? Well, I like to do puppetry. Cool. I put it on the list. I like to do music. Cool. I put it on the list. I like to pretend that I'm a ostrich. Cool. I put it on the list. I'm going to call that theater or whatever, right? Physical theater. Uh-huh. But then I have juggling at the top of my list. All of your choices in those other areas need to reflect the same choices you make in your juggling. So that's why sometimes you'll see juggling that is so innovative and creative in terms of the juggling technique and the juggling concepts you go wow they're using sight swap body throw whatever weird you know movement uh, internal structures in juggling but then it's presented in such a basic way mm-hmm. and you go well wait a second you have all these other um disciplines that you can you can use and mix and you also have production elements like lighting sound costume makeup special effects like fog and lasers explosions whatever and you need to to make a well to make a good juggling show or to make whatever kind of show you have that label at the top your choices need to all just follow from that one thing so if you're going to innovate with juggling and say like okay i made this juggling trick because you know, I cr- I do crossed arms. Okay, it means my left is my left and right are mixed up. Oh, maybe I'll take the stereo mix on my soundtrack and mix that up. Mm-hmm. I mean, this sounds in one way very conceptual. Yeah, but and, they're, they're related. To, yeah, you can yeah. make you can make concrete, and then somebody can come to your show and say, "Oh, that was kind of fun." Where the sound was weird at that one moment. Why did you think of that? And you go, "Oh, because I'm doing I was doing a juggling show, and I realized in that moment in the show I'm doing all this crossed arm stuff, and so in an effort to kind of make that express more i kind of did the same thing with the sound and the lights came from across the state whatever right Mm -hmm. so you can have uh you can mix different elements with juggling but it can still be juggling and you can have artistic choices that carry through all of your show but it can still be about juggling like last night in the show before i did my last piece i told a story so i used storytelling in my performance Um, Was it a storytelling performance? No, it was a juggling performance. The story was about juggling in a, yeah, in a kind of metaphorical Mm -hmm. way, at least in 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 a rhythmical way of the whole piece. I tried to make it relate to some different parts or whatever. So you can, but but I didn't want to use storytelling in such a way that I was trying to justify and say, oh, juggling's not good enough to put in front of an audience. So I'm going to tell a story. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't some sort of insecurity on my my behalf. Whereas in America, they're, they're, these days, there's a lot of discussions online about saying, well, circus has to be elevated by something else that's mm-hmm. already recognized and formalized. And I just don't agree. I think we need to have a... That's why I want to say this now, because yeah. I think we need to have this discussion very, very concretely out in the open these days and say, look, juggling is enough because it's, it's okay. <laughs> and circus is okay. So... Let's let's have a more intelligent discussion instead of arguing about that. And then one day people are gonna walk away from our shows and not say, "Oh, it was so funny," but "Oh, it was so juggly." And then yeah, but pe- I think people I think people walk away from all the fun, for example, and I think they talk about the juggling. 
like on mm. one level, like very concretely. Uh, all the fun from EAO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a few shows. Huh. I mean, I think there's there. You can find examples of this all the time already, but just that um, if you walk away and you say, "Oh, that show was that show was great because." Um, the music choices. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, or man, that character was so intense. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, maybe it wasn't a juggling show. Maybe it was a theater show that used some juggling. Mm-hmm. And then th- just to follow, just to finish that thought, which is that if you do have that thing where, for example, in America you have a lot of comedy jugglers. Yes. And then the jokes are more important than the juggling. Yeah, and then you say, okay, but wait a second, you're calling yourself a juggler, which is maybe good for the market to stand out somehow. But if comedy is at the top. You spend all your t- again. You spend all your time practicing your five ball tricks, and then you write a few jokes. <laughs> but if if the main takeaway from your show is that people think you're funny, maybe you should spend more time writing jokes and less time juggling five balls, mm-hmm. <laughs> or just understand what it is you're doing. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So that's a large, also a large part of being like the directing work and the schoolwork. I think that kind of wraps that all together, basically. Yeah. Good. Thanks. <laughs> that's a good ending. Cool. We have three things. So the second is the uh, if people want to find out about you, where should they look? Uh, well, I'm sure, there's many places. I kind of only update my Instagram. Then people will look at your Instagram. Yeah, you can search me uh, on Instagram. I'll, I'll, I'll put a link, everything. Cool. And then of course there's stuff on YouTube. You can you know how to find how to Google. Yeah, Google. <laughs> Let's move on to the last thing, the fun part. Yeah. You want to show a juggling trick? Yeah, I uh, can do a trick. Yeah, I have my own clubs here. I need, a, I need one club. Yellow, white. Oh. Are you okay with pyramids? Yeah, I think it's going to be fine. I found a white one. All right, let's do it. Should we go outside or you want to do yeah, it Yeah, maybe... No, let's do it in here. It'll be more funny. Ah, cool. Yeah, I'll be behind the camera to make sure it's under. All right, great. So... All right, I should narrate what this trick is. So this trick I learned... Or I made from uh there was a girl who did this in 1995 with her arms and then I learned to do it with a club because my arms didn't do it so so she could do this without the club which was nice but let's see yes that's my trick that's a trick thank you Jay <laughs> thank you so much for <laughs> thanks joining me for the interview and uh, thanks for the milk you're very welcome. Yeah, we finished the carton. There's a little bit of milk. It was good. Well done. Good milk. Cool. Wow. Thank you for listening to this long but awesome interview with Jay Gilligan. I feel so honored to have had this conversation. Actually, right here on this very couch I'm sitting on right now. Um, Big thanks, as always, goes out to the IJA for sponsoring this and all the other episodes. And while I'm recording this part, you're having the IJA festival, which I hope is a lot of fun. Speaking of festivals, I'm going to the EJC. So if you see me there, feel free to approach me and tell me what you think of the show. I'd love to hear from you. And I hope I'll have time to record some new episodes there, which will be really cool. Uh, they won't show up for a while. I'm still on tour with a circus in in August. I am also right now, actually. Um, so hopefully in September you'll start to see the episodes that I record at EJC. And you can look forward to those. And then the circus tour that I'm with right now. If you're interested in what I do outside of recording Juggle Jabber, I 
post on Instagram, I post regularly about the tour, about the juggling I do in the show, about the clowning I do there, about uh, random stuff, and I record a lot of silly tricks. So if you're interested in this kind of thing, look me up on Instagram, Daniel Simu. And if you're not interested in this kind of thing, that's also fine. Ugh, I can't even talk anymore. It's too late. It's half past four. Shit, jeez. Um, yeah, so I'm going to sleep. I need to perform tomorrow. So very clever to edit interviews right now. And uh, good night. Um, good day. Uh, wherever you are, good something. See you at the next Chuggle Jabber. Or see you at... EJC. Bye-bye.